Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. The sermon text is the Old Testament reading from Exodus 19. Maybe seated. In the name of Jesus, I got this. Common expression, isn't it? I got this. We uh, throw ourselves into professions, projects, problem solving, parenting, maybe even, even partying, saying, I got this. But someone beats us to the punch. Before we can say, I got this, our Lord says it first. The Old Testament reading, the OT reading, is really one big, ginormous, I got this, from the Lord himself. That's right. The Lord says, I got this, and he brings his people out of their Egyptian captivity into the wilderness single-handedly so that he can lead them on the journey. The wilderness? Is that right? Did, uh, did God, like, take a wrong turn? Has there been some misstep, mishap, mistake? Hmm? Is this really the destination? Well, I mean, it's where the Lord's people find themselves in the wilderness, from dungeon to desert, from slavery to Sinai. That's what the OT reading tells us. Exodus 19, 2 through 4. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. If we were God, and thanks be to God, we are not God, <laughs> would we have brought the Israelites to the wilderness, to this desolate, dangerous, deadly wilderness? Um, I don't think so. Maybe a resort on St. Lucia. <laughs> I don't know why that's on my mind right now. Maybe because I'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> we wouldn't bring the Israelites to the wilderness. But that's where God brings his people. Is it really better than Egypt? I mean, Egypt was pretty bad. Oh, we know that. For, uh, you know, 400 plus years, God's people cried out to him, Help! Help us! Get us out of Egypt! There was no, I got this, on their minds. None of that whatsoever. They could not break the Egyptian chains. They were stuck, shackled, and heckled by the Egyptians. Oh, in back-breaking labor, right? No holiday. No going to St. Lucia, okay? 
None of that. A seven-day work week. Tough and rough. Talk about the hard-knock life for them. But our Lord doesn't turn a deaf ear to them, does he? They, uh, they pick up the phone. They dial 1-800-G-O-D-H-E-L-P-God-Help. And the Lord picks up. He answers their call for help. Now it takes a little bit of time. But he eventually comes through for them. He sends Moses down to Egypt. And Moses brings them to Sinai. Brings them to the wilderness. Which is really the promise that God made with Moses when they had that little chit-chat at the uh, burning bush. Right? Promise made, promise kept. But the wilderness... <laughs> Really? It ain't safe there. They're naked, exposed. They are so vulnerable in the wilderness. No walls, no weapons, no Walmart. And that's really the point. The Lord doesn't bring his people out of Egypt so that they can say, I got this. In Egypt, it was, no, I got this. And in the wilderness, no, I got this. The Lord Jesus brings them out into the wilderness to bring them face to face with the reality. That they are not in the driver's seat. They are not calling the shots. They are not in control. See, the wilderness has this uh, effect of stripping them of all of their distractions and all of their disillusionments. They can not live on their own. That's what the wilderness teaches them. They can't. But God can. He does. They only have him. So they look to him to lead and to feed and to provide for every one of their needs. It's at Mount Sinai where the Lord lets out his huge, I got this. And God is still in the business of bringing people into the wilderness so that they shut up. And they stop saying, I got this. See, in the wilderness, no one, if he or she is honest, can say, I got this. Pastor Paul, in the epistle reading, he talks about the wilderness in terms of death. We heard that in Romans 5. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man... And death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses. Even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. Who was a type of the one who was to come. When Papa Adam plunged his pearly whites into the juicy forbidden fruit. He plunged humanity into death. At a tree in the Garden of Eden, 
Adam, Papa Adam sinned, and he wrote everyone's history. Every guy, every gale, their history. A history spelled D-E-A-T-H. Death! Pastor Paul, in the epistle reading, he uses this time between Papa Adam and Moses to stress death's reign and rule over humanity, to stress death's control over and power over and claim on all mankind. See, even before the law was given, you know, that law that uncovers, reveals our sin, that law that condemns us to death, before that was even given, people sinned, and they, and they, they died. They died. Every history of every guy and gal from Papa Adam to Moses ended the same way. He died. She died. That's not how it was supposed to be, though, in the garden. The, the history was to go something like this. He lived. She lived. Happily ever after. That's history. It's in the past. Can't do anything about it. Can't change it. Welcome, GLC, to the wilderness. Yeah, that's where we are. We are in the wilderness. I got this. Mm, doesn't cut it here. Doesn't really work. Period. Oh, but we try, don't we? We try to make I got this work. The accumulation of more and more stuff, property, possession, obsession with, you know, being healthy to catch people's attention, addiction to climbing the corporate ladder with promotion after promotion, a fascination with our own reflection. And uh, preoccupation with uh, entertainment and what's new on television. All of that is a distraction. All of it. It's all a distraction. All of it. It's so easy, though, for us to fool ourselves, you know, when everything is, is going our way. It's easy for us to fool ourselves into believing that we are in control, that we are calling the shots, that we are in the driver's seat. Our Lord wants to wake us up from fantasy, Bill. And he has a strange way, a strange way of waking us up to reality, to what really is true and solid and lasting. As C.S. Lewis, that uh, well-known 20th century theologian, said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts, 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 shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Dear friends, suffering is not meaningless. Suffering is God's megaphone to wake us up to the reality, to the fact that this is not our home. This is all temporary. 
And that's a good thing because this is the wilderness world. So dangerous, so desolate, so deadly. And we know it. We know it from first-hand experience that this really is the wilderness world. Seeing a job, a friendship, a marriage come and go. Sitting in the doctor's office and hearing that dreaded diagnosis. Standing at the grave of a loved one. Struggling with the limitations and the restrictions that come with age. Staring at our own death. That suffering, dear friends, wakes us up. Gets us to stop and smell the roses. We come face to face with reality. That we are in the wilderness world. And uh, all of our, I got this, silenced. 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 Now the OT people of God proved uh, time and again what a lie, what a bunch of baloney, I got this, was then and is still now. When they were at Sinai, God gives them the Holy Ten Commands, the Law, the Stone Tablets, and what is their response? We got it right here in our text, actually, the OT reading, verses 7 and 8. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. God's people essentially here say, I got this. Um, but we kind of have their record of their 40-year wilderness wanderings. How did that go? Not so good. A lot of grumbling, fumbling, bumbling, tumbling. I got this! No, they don't! I got this? Aaron doesn't. <laughs> you don't either. We don't got it. There's no way for us to lead ourselves out of the wilderness. Now that first generation that came out of Egypt, that first generation of Israelites that God brought out of Egypt, the ones that you know, spoke these words, I got this. They really believed that they could lead themselves into the promised land. They did. They thought they could do it. They had this, you know, little engine that could mentality, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. They failed to listen to the Lord. And what happened to that first generation that came out of Egypt? What happened to them in the wilderness? Do you know what happened? They died. They died. But that second generation, that generation that was born in the wilderness during the 40-year wilderness wanderings, they listened to the Lord, and they were led by him through the wilderness into the promised land. That land flowing with milk and honey. Dear friends, we are those who have been born in the wilderness. And there is a way through. 
the way through. Because of Jesus. You know we're always going to get to Jesus, right? <laughs> I will not leave you Jesus-less, okay? Before I catch my plane tomorrow. Okay, very good. Jesus says, I got this, and he brings us to himself in the wilderness so that he can lead us on the journey home to the new heavens, the new earth, the greater promised land, as his treasured possession that has so much purpose in this life. <coughs> Dear friends, Jesus is born in the wilderness. He puts on our flesh in the womb of Mama Mary, the virgin, and he puts himself smack dab in the wilderness, this desolate, dangerous, deadly wilderness. Why? Why does he do that? Well, Pastor Paul tells us in our epistle reading, Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, it, it may often look and feel as though God doesn't love us, but let's look in the right place, shall we? Jesus, fix your eyes on Jesus and there you see God's love manifested, made known, revealed for you, for me. We are not going to die in the wilderness. This Jesus rewrites your history and mine. Thank you very much. How? <laughs> well, let me tell you. He does in the flesh what we could never do in the flesh. He does in the flesh what only he can do in the flesh. I got this. That's what Jesus says, and he does. He walks without grumbling, tumbling, bumbling, stumbling. Fulfills God's law and will perfectly. No sin whatsoever. And he does all of this while experiencing all that we experience in this life. Jesus ain't a bubble boy. <laughs> He suffers all that we suffer in this life, but without sin, pain and loneliness, hunger and thirst, betrayal and rejection, grief and loss, and then death and the grave. But his death is the undoing of death. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Jesus walks out of the grave, and his boot is firmly placed on the neck of death. Death's reign and rule? Dunno. Time to say toodles goodbye to death's power and claim over you in me. Death defeated, death de dethroned, death destroyed. We all now have a brand spanking new history. Written in red ink. Written in the Lamb's blood. He lives. He lives. She lives. He lives. She lives. 
He lives. She lives. He lives. She lives. This is how we get to talk now, folks. We live. And that's because this is the very Jesus who not only says, I got this, but also says, I got you. I got you. He does. In the waters of holy baptism, he bore us on eagles' wings, bringing us to himself, speaking nothing but gospelly good news to you and to me. The very gospelly good news we hear at Sinai, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The Christian church is his treasured possession. Where's property? We belong to him. Property of Jesus. Those words are on every head, every heart in this room. Our baptism tells us so. Now we may lose an earring. We may lose a pen. We may lose our little puppy. Where's Plato? But our Lord will never lose us. He'll never let us slip through his fingers. I got you. That's what he says to each of us all life long. And he says those words which, with, with, with such a silly grin on his face. Beaming from, from ear to ear. So tickled. Because you and I bring him such joy. And he wants us to bring this world so much joy. How? By being his kingdom of priests and his holy nation. That means praying for this wilderness world. I know, I know. In this wilderness world, we look around, and it can be pretty easy to be uh, cynical and critical. It is the election season, after all. <laughs> but our Lord calls us to put away all criticism, all cynicism, all condemnation, and to have in our mouths nothing but intercession. This is how we bring joy to this world. We go to bat for this wilderness world. So let's pray. Let's pray as this kingdom of priests, this holy nation, pray. Pray that eyes would be opened to the fantasy and the foolishness that I got this is any day. Pray that the distractions and disillusionments will be taken away. Pray that those who are wearied and worried would realize that in the end everything is going to be a-okay. Pray that those who fear death would know that death doesn't get the last say. Pray that more and more hearts would be opened, that more and more hearts would look to the Lord to lead and to feed and to provide for every need day after day after day after day. 
pray that more and more people would know that there is an author, the capital A author, that uses everything in this life. The bumps and the bruises, the fears and the tears, the ups and the downs, the twists and the turns, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything to write his never-ending story in just his way, the best way, the most beautiful way, the saving way. Pray. Pray that ears would be opened to Jesus who says, I got this. Saying that to every Tom, Dick, and Harry, dear friends, I pray you're picking up what I'm putting down. The Lord Jesus, who brings us to himself in the wilderness, not only says, I got this, but also says, I got, I got you. I got you as we journey with him as this kingdom of priests, as this holy nation, praying all the way to that blessed day when everything will be made new. Jesus says, I got this, and I got you. What more could we possibly want? Come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen.